Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to New Books in Science Fiction and Fantasy. This episode features Ben Hatke, author and illustrator of the Zeta the Space Girl series. Hi, this is Dan Nexon, and I'm speaking to Ben Hatke. Ben, are you there? I'm here. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This is, this is fun. I was looking forward to this, and I'm glad we finally found time for it. Glad we finally connected. I should give some background. I actually uh, uh, met you um, at a book signing or a, a graphic novel signing at uh, Big Planet Comics in College Park, Maryland. And I'd randomly taken my daughter there because I, I promised her to go to the comic book store every couple of weeks so she can use it as a library and eventually we buy something. And we walk in and they say, are you the cure for the signing? And I said, well, what signing? And they say, well, it's Ben Hatke of, of Z to the oh, Space I, Girl. Yeah. Uh, I'd forgotten about that. That, that, that. that was more of a random encounter. I'd forgotten that um, that you hadn't had familiar with the book yet well i actually knew the book i just had no idea that you were there oh okay okay okay. Uh, so my daughter was super excited because she loves uh zeta the space girl and she yeah. just gotten uh legends of zeta the space girl on pre-order um and uh i said well do you want to go get it signed and she did the typical kind of eight nine-year-old i'm sort of embarrassed about that but right. i wound up staying there for about four hours i think looking at my ipad while uh she hung out with your daughters yeah that was one of the first ones i brought my my girls to so that was actually a lot of fun and they had somebody new to talk to which is which was great right and and i hope we'll talk about later your 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 older daughter um is a terrific artist and so i think she motivated yeah, they, they were all daughter. drawing together there for a bit <laughs> so my my daughter i think became much more interested in in in, in improving her craft as a result. So that gives you uh, some of the, the setup. Um, so you um, are primarily known, I think, to the community and to a wide community as the, the author, illustrator, uh, and producer of uh, the Zeta the Space Girl series. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, Zeta the Space Girl? Yeah. Um, there are a series of three books now um, uh, about, uh, well, they're, they're graphic novels, so they're comics. The format is comics. Um, they're, you know, long-form book-length comics, and uh, they're about a, a girl who's – essentially the, the whole the series is about a girl who's kind of world-hopping, um, hitchhiking her way back to Earth, uh, trying to get back to Earth after um, after an adventure has brought her out into the far reaches of space. And, um, and that, that's kind of the broad thing. It's about trying to get home. Um, there are – the the books start with the the first one is Zeta the Space Girl, which kind of tells the story of how she ended up so far from home. Um, the second book is is more about uh, is kind of the fallout from the from the first adventure and and about identity and about travel. And then the third book, which is which is not out now, but I finished and turned it in. It should be out in the spring. Is called The Return of Zeta the Space Girl, and um, and those those three books form a bit of a trilogy. And I have an, an idea to do a second trilogy down the road, but um, but for now, those those three books form a complete uh, sort of cycle or story. 
Well, my daughter's going to be very excited to find out that the third book is is coming out uh, in the relatively near future, it sounds like. When is it due out? Um, I'm not exactly sure of the month. It's, it's set for spring of 2014, which seems like a long way away, hmm. um, especially I, I, I did turn it in some months ago. And this is like that, that time when when you're just like you're excited about something and you can't really just share it yet. Um, I think if I was left to my own devices, I would just start sending people PDFs of the book. Um, cause I want to see, I want to see, I want to share that, uh, this story with people. But, um, but yeah, so it looks like, uh, January, February of, uh, of 2014. Mm. Sounds, so a, sounds like the production cycle for graphic novels is a lot like the production cycle for academic books. It takes forever. Um, yeah, it can be long. Uh, except for the differences, people actually want to read them. So you mentioned earlier, uh, you, when I was, I sort of asked you to, to talk about what Zeta, the Zeta, the Space Girl series is. You sort of said, well, it's a graphic novel, it's a comic book. Um, I know that the term of art now is to refer to these kinds of um, bound stories that we used to call comic books as graphic novels as a way to legitimate them, you know, as sort of the the, the legitimate their literary quality. Right. You could talk a little bit about about that issue about about the discussion about what people you know the work that you produce should be called yeah i mean i think i've accepted the term graphic novel i think that there was a there was a lot of discussion and a lot of uh, argument over uh, what do we what do we call these these books that are coming out um these you know comics with a spine um the a lot of different ideas and i've i've just come to say like i think the term graphic novel has has won the day and you know um we still call what i what a lot of people call films we still call movies to differentiate them from the you know the whatever came before and the talkies and the uh from the, the old radio programs and i i mean but i think you know it is at a certain point um, a term just wins the day, and that's that's what you get, and everybody understands that this is what we're talking about. Um, when I think about a graphic novel, um, you know, we we we've already used the term comic book to refer to something that's like that's basically a pamphlet. Uh, the what we call comic comic books are the are basically magazines. They're stapled. They they're very thin. They come out. Um, they're serialized stories, uh, and I think graphic novel. What I like about the term is it says, like, here is something in comics format that does what a book does. It tells a story from start to finish, and, and you can sit down and read it like you would a book, and you're not waiting for the next installment. I mean, unless it's a, you know, books do series, but, but overall, a graphic novel does what a book does, or does what a book sets out to do. Um, and, uh, and that's what I like about it. It's, it's, it's funny because there's some overlap because a lot of times they'll bind together um, comic books, a series like like you know, they bind together like a run of Green Lantern, and call that a graphic novel. When I don't know, it's it's kind of that gray zone. It's uh, maybe it's uh, maybe if they all function together as a as a as a book like story, or you know, a little bit like Dickens did, serializing his stories in newspapers and then and then binding them as a book. Um, but I like the term graphic novel, and I think it fits well for something that should be on a library shelf. Um, so that's that's what I that's that's where I am with, with the with the term graphic novel and uh, and comics is just like uh, the word to me comics just means um, this format of telling a story with sequential art. So when you open it up when you open up a graphic novel, what you get is comics. When you open up a regular novel, what you get is prose. Um, you know, when you open up a picture book, uh, you get something that's a little bit different. You get prose and illustrations. Um, 
so anyway, that's those are my feelings about the the, the terminology. At, at some point, we're going to have to cycle back to talk a little bit more about the plot and what's so compelling about sure, sure. the Space Girl. But I, I do want to push you a little bit. You mentioned um, the difference or the somewhat ambiguous difference between, uh, say, a picture book uh, and uh, a graphic novel. And, and, and the, the Zeta series is what you referred to earlier, what you told me is an all-ages graphic yeah. novel. Um, and what exactly does, does that mean? Um, so for me, uh, so we're talking about all ages or are we talking about the difference between comics and picture books? Ah, so I, I've, I've melded two things together and therefore confused you. Um, I actually was, I thought that it would be, I thought the best way to kind of start thinking about or, or talking about the difference between a picture book and a comic book might be to start with the fact that, that if it isn't clear already from the discussion of our daughters, that, that Zeta is, you know, something that is read, I think, predominantly by, by children. Right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that, that you can see if you go online to one of your websites are these wonderful pictures of, of little girls who have dressed up as Zeta for Halloween. Yes. Uh, with these homemade costumes, which are just amazing. I mean, I love them. Yeah, that, I get a lot of joy out of that. I, I started getting those at Halloween last year, and it just, I, I just, I've started a little file of them, and it's just so much fun. I think I'm going to post more pictures every every Halloween. And we we first encountered uh, the I think the first Zeta book we saw in a um, it was in the graphic novel section of a uh, independent uh, toy store which also has a significant okay. book, bookstore. Okay, that's great. So, so in a sense, you know, I encountered this as this is a this is a graphic novel that is in, that is appropriate for my daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And and but when we'd been sort of having our, our preliminary discussion. You know, before we started recording, uh, you know, I had called it a children's graphic novel, and you'd said that you'd prefer the term "all ages." And so, yeah. I, I wanted to 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 have you talk about that a little bit. What what makes something different between a children's graphic novel and all ages graphic novel? And then I thought that would be an interesting way to get into what makes this different from, say, an all ages picture book or a children's okay. picture book. Okay. Um, so, all ages is is a term I actually take kind of seriously. I really like. Um, to me. Uh, Instead of writing children's books, I'm trying to write all ages books uh, for two for two reasons. Um, first of all, what I'm writing is is um, also what I think is cool. I mean, I'm not just writing these for kids. I'm writing these for for me, and I'm trying to put things that I think are cool into these into these books. Um, and you know, I'm a I'm a grown up man, but I. I really like this type of story that I'm telling. This is, these are stories from my heart. Um, and I like, you know, filling worlds with creatures and, and, and jokes and, and things like this. But to me, all ages, like uh, the, the Pixar movies do a great job of, t- of telling all ages stories where like, if you go to see toy story, the toy story movies, you know, if you're, you know, if you're 45, if you're 25, if you're 15, if you're five, you're going to go in there and find something that you like, um, and something that's for you or something that, that everybody can smile at. And that's what I mean by all ages. I, I, I really like it when I find, uh, you know, adults that are picking up these books and enjoying them. Um, and that's the kind of story I'm trying to tell, not just stories that are solely geared towards kids. And I don't think, you know, I think the best stories are all ages. Um, you, um, you know, C.S. Lewis has this quote about, about, you know, um, when I was a child, I, I, I loved fairy tales and then, uh, how's it go? Eventually when he was old enough, he went back to fairy tales and found he enjoyed them just as much, but for a while you're embarrassed of it. Um, 
but I feel like, you know, I'd like to tell a story that, you know, nobody would be embarrassed to read. Although, you know, like probably 18 year old boys still not carry around Zeta the space girl, but it'd be cool if they did. Well, it's funny because, you know, there's a cheap way to do all ages, which is, I think, the sort of Pixar imitator way where you have a story for the children and then you throw in pop culture references or yeah. and you end up for adults. And then there's the sophisticated way of doing it, which is to tell a story which has which is multi-layered, right? Which has exactly. and, and respectful and 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 uh, and that you can approach it at multiple depths. I, I really like that. Yeah, I respect it so much. And and you're right. I don't want to do the stories where on one hand you're talking down and then we'll throw in a couple um you know jokes to keep the parents awake or you know make them chuckle as they read down to their kids and i think that that's definitely the i mean i think you've been very successful with the first two books of the zeta series i'm just right now i've got legends of zeta the space girl in front of me and i'm looking through it and it strikes me that there are things in it so one of the things that happens very early on is that there is a discarded uh uh, a discarded recalled it says on the package uh right uh uh imprintotron uh yeah. robot uh who is sort of discarded in the trash heap uh, and this robot in it's not giving way too much to say that this robot will eventually um imitate zeta i think right. find right. find zeta attractive for some reason she and takes winds, on zeta's likeness yeah and takes on her you know and winds up looking virtually identical to her and that there's something, you know, both kind of um, moving about that, but also very, I think, for a child, ominous in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a point when it transitions from sort of where you're very sympathetic to this character to suddenly it becomes a little bit more of an object of fear. Right. Um, and then goes back to an object of sympathy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you know, I think that that's something where you can imagine, I mean, I know because my daughter's read this, that, you know, there's a, there's a whole wave of kind of, uh, that sort of element of the storyline conjures up very intense kind of a, you know, a very intense emotional experience, uh, in part because children don't necessarily know all the tricks of storytelling that adults have become jaded to. Uh, right. But at the same time, you know, adults can appreciate what's going on in terms of a whole set of impulses about wanting to be like something else about this yeah. the the way in which you visually track emergence from the trash to a position of being a figure who's viewed as heroic uh and 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 has lots of attention and is not at all on a trash heap so i think that's sort of a not to kind of wax about that for too long but i think that's a wonderful example of how you can how you can get this kind of multi-layered all ages element into uh, a very sparsely told story yeah and i think you shouldn't uh you know we we shouldn't sell uh the emotional depth of children short i mean they have a tremendous emotional depth and they can key into a lot of these different things that are going on um and just, you know, some of it's new to them, so they feel it more intensely. And that's one of the reasons why you have to tread carefully, you know, um, because just the, the, the lack of multiple experiences with these same story beats and emotions and things like this um, can make it so that something that is, is creepy and frightening to, you know, it's like these, these nerves haven't been deadened quite as much. So uh, something that's, you know, like, like even emotionally ominous could be uh, felt more deeply or more um could be more raw to them mm-hmm. um but that doesn't mean like you know stories are, are even that much more important because it's 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 our way of interpreting things and, and that's why they're super important for kids and um 
I don't know. I just, it's just, I really like, uh, I think, uh, too many, um, children's stories or even what we are trying to be all ages stories, uh, sell the younger audience short a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, don't give them enough credit for, uh, for, for just picking up on, like, like there's just things that are alluded to, like, like loneliness in the second book, especially, um, you know, Zita's, um, really doing this journey on her own, even though she does have her friends, um, and sometimes, you know, I try to just draw that out with with quiet moments and, and facial features. And I think I think kids are really uh, like the, I think the younger part uh, members of the audience are key into that just as easily, mm-hmm. you know, as we do. Maybe. No, I think that's right. I mean, what I was alluding to more was that I adults have this kind of meta knowledge, so we yeah. know that if we yeah. open something that's all ages appropriate, that while there may be very sad things in it, that there will be an outcome which you know, doesn't leave a child hopelessly depressed, right? If you open an adult book, you may wind up with a very unhappy ending, right? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that children particularly, you know, there's a, certainly they at some point they go through this kind of transition where they're able to do that kind of, okay, what kind of genre am I in? What does that mean about the story, what the story is likely to be? But mm-hmm. I think for for one of the big differences is children experience a story without necessarily that, that, that safety blanket or that's that safety net that adult, I use the term safety blanket. <laughs> right. <laughs> Interesting here. Uh, but the kind of safety net that adults do that they don't necessarily, you know, I know they don't that see the good ending coming, right. They don't. And, and I think a part of that is it, it allows them to become much more invested in the story. Now you mentioned something a second ago, you talked about story beats and I, I, I suspect that there's something about, what a graphic novel is or a comic is uh, that has to do with the visuals of that comic book and story beats that's different, that differentiates it from say a book with illustrations. Um, so what, what do you mean by story beats in the concept context um, of a graphic novel? Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I, like to me, like, uh, well, we were, we were talking about the difference between a graphic novel and a, and, and a picture book. And just to, just to lay the groundwork there, um, you know the, the the difference between illustrated pro, it's the difference between illustrated prose and comics and comics um to you know to me comics is is when um these these words and pictures are working even more closely together than prose and illustration prose and illustration is you have a block of prose and you have um you have a picture and uh and picture books, really good picture books, like where the wild things are, and, and, and you know these classic ones, you, you know they are mixed. The the prose and the and the pictures are all together and, and laid out beautifully, but they still are separate. Um, with with comics, you know, these two things, words and pictures, are are combined uh, just about as closely as they can be. And um, and then the other the other thing that makes comics comics is is the sequentiality of the art, um, lining one image after another, um, and giving a sense of time though, to those images. So you read through the images, and and the story moves in time. Um, and then the other question we were talking about that now that I've I've laid that groundwork. What, what was the other part of the question again? Well, you've met, one of the things that so you started to get into it now, I think, because you you had mentioned in passing uh, the notion of the beats of the story. That's right. Yes, that's what I was going to tell you. Um, to me, there's a lot of crossover between comics and film. Or when I think about um, when you're laying out a graphic novel, when you're thumbnailing pages, it's it's a funny experience because um, 
you know, you, you write your story. And I think, I think all stories have, have beats to them, have emotional beats, have turns and things like, like you get to this certain point and you want things to flip and then flip again, um, you know, situations. But the other thing about, about comics is where, where, where to me it has like an overlap with film is, you know, I'm, I'm working in panels and a lot of times I'm thinking about camera angles. I think of the panels in terms of camera angles or me in this space. And this panel is a window into this thing. And where do I want to place that window? You know, um, it, it is, um, if I'm looking at Zita, is she, is she very confident? Should I have the, should I have the, the camera slightly looking up at her? So, you know, she's standing proud and tall almost above us, or is she feeling, you know, lonely and weak? Should I, should I bump that camera up? So it's looking down on her and we see how small she is, uh, in the world. Um, and then broadly I plan out my stories, uh, I'm learning to plan out my stories, uh, more in advance and, and take more care to, um, to work with the architecture of the story. Because, because when I talk about beats, like you, you are leading your, your audience through a, through a tale and, and you want them to, you know, hit certain emotional notes at certain times, whatever, you, you know, following on with, with whatever theme you're doing. Um, I don't know. So, so all of those things kind of gel together to be, to be an important whole. I really wish as we were talking, uh, you know, this were a, a, a uh, what do they call it, an enhanced podcast so it could actually be showing some examples of what you're talking about from the book. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny. So Stuart Kaufman, uh, who, who blogs at Lawyers, Guns, and Money, uh, is an academic, and he talks about this notion of visual rhetoric. And he spends a lot of time both on scene composition from television and film and also composition from comic books and graphic novels. Yeah. Uh, and what you're saying really – it's interesting. I mean, well, films are, are storyboarded, aren't they, in general? So, I mean, isn't... A lot of them are, and comics are similar. And and my style of, I think, I, I mean, not all comics really have to be. The, the comics have a broad range of what you can do with them. And I just feel like, personally, my style is a little bit cinematic. I like, I, I like, I lean towards the cinematic approach. Um, you can do, um, I mean, I don't do a whole lot of interesting, like, like when we, we, we the old spirit, Will Eisner's spirit um, comics, you know, they would start out with a real physical, like the, the title itself, the spirit was, was existing in space, you know, and he might be walking by um, his own title of his comic and you could do some really cool meta things with comics. But I just kind of not consciously, but almost unconsciously just don't do a lot of that. I treat it like a, more like a film. So, um, but the things you were talking about uh, that – I mean this is where I, why I brought up this notion of visual rhetoric because some of the things we're talking about I find really interesting. The idea that we sort of th – I think that a lot of people who don't have any background in this – and I think about this because one of the things I do in my, my science fiction classes, my students read Watchmen, uh, which is obviously a fairly complicated and engaged uh, graphic yeah. novel. Yeah. Uh, and they're not used to reading graphic novels. They read text uh, primarily, and we read primarily text in the story, although we do, I mean, in the class. Uh, but how difficult it is for them to sort of pick up on the kinds of things that you would pick up, that they are have more facility on picking up in text. So things that you're talking about, the way that you might use the equivalent of a camera angle perspective to actually communicate important information um, yeah. through through the book. That to me is really interesting, right? That, and I, I was flipping through it as you're talking about that. And I, there is a sequence where there, there's one panel where you have these close-ups, these under views, and then you pull up to an extreme distance shot, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a, 
in the way that that's engaged in storytelling, I mean, how much, what other kinds of things do you do besides close-ups or distant shots to provide information that might otherwise be provided through text? Yeah, um, well, let's see, gestures is, is, is I, think of, I think of the characters as actors, and, um, um, well, I mean, there's, you know, there's establishing shots every so often you need to remind the reader where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't just do, uh, just do the characters. Uh, sometimes panels come, you know, sometimes dialogue, if, if you know who's speaking, you can have dialogue come, do tricks like having dialogue come from off, off panel while you're showing something else. Um, but I, I, I'm a huge uh, geek for, for gesture. I, I, I like to, um, make sure that I'm telling as much of storytelling as I can through the character's body languages. And I like, um, you know, I like trying to, trying to, uh, to show actual kinetic movement, um, through comics. Like, like you, you should have, I, I feel like I have an idea of how these characters move through space. Um, each of them differently. Like it's, if, if you're running, like, you know, Madrigal has a way of running. Madrigal's more physical than, than, than Piper is. And, and Zeta's, um, Zeta charges forward probably with, with more power than grace. Uh, uh, Joseph is like, is, it moves timidly. Uh, one zips around, even though he's, he's a big orb and he's a little bit heavy. Can you back um, up a second? So our, our listeners have no idea who these characters are. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> And maybe it doesn't even matter. It's just like how I'm looking at these different characters. Uh, like, I, I mean, I was talking about mostly these characters are human, the ones I mentioned, except for one who is a big round robot. Right. But um, just as different body types, I like to think about how they move. and mm-hmm. um, But also uh, also keeping an eye to showing as much emotional information and as much um, of that through through body language as possible. I love um, – it's, it's really cool when the words and the pictures can both be telling – maybe different things like um maybe uh you know i don't know there's there's a moment in the first book when um when they're going to try to break into this castle where zeta's on an alien planet and her friend joseph has been captured and they're for for reasons that I don't know if we need to get into right now, that you know he's going to be part of a a, a sacri- uh, like a human sacrifice that they think is going to save their planet, and Zeta and her ragtag band are trying to get into this castle, and and it's heavily guarded, and and one who's this kind of floating round robot who's all about battle and war, he says, "Oh, we need to use a frontal assault," and like I'm trying to show you just a, a circle with eyes, really, and I'm trying to show. Um, at that moment, like how excited he is to just charge into battle, you know, but you can also go the other way. You can have somebody saying one thing, but their body saying something different, you know, um, with Piper and Madrigal, who are the only two adult human characters, um, at one point. Oh, actually, yeah, it's actually from the third book. Now you're going to get like a little hint of this third book, but at one point they're, 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 they're um, they're, they're, they're kind of they kind of operate like a like like a like ex boyfriend and girlfriend or a divorced couple or something like this because like well you signpost that in the second uh, yeah a little novel. bit yeah but at one point when you finally see them together um, they're arguing but but you know like th- their hips are like slightly to- like drawn towards each other like you know their their body gestures are a little bit drawn together even though 
uh, you know, their faces are turned away from each other, you know, so you can tell there this is like this tension that I'm trying to build um, just through body language. Um, so anyway, I, I, I really, I like that a lot. I like to think of my characters as, as actors and trying to draw different things out of them. Um, so yeah. Well, I, think I don't even know. I don't even know where where I started. Now I'm just speaking out about comics, which is what I do when you get me going. Well, that's the whole point of these things because it's much more interesting to listen to you uh, geek out about comics than to listen to me ask questions or, or to elaborate <laughs> setups that are just designed to get you to geek out. Uh, right. So let's. So you you talk about you know. So it's funny you're talking about geeking out about comics, but you have a but my vague memory and is that you have a more classical art training. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, comics is something that's special to me, but I really am all over the place. I, uh, I've always wanted to, to, to write and illustrate. That's, that's something that I've kind of always had in my heart and I've always loved comics. But, um, when I was first starting out, I was doing, um, freelance illustration. I was just doing any kind of job I could find. And, uh, I was all through, you know, growing up in school, I was, I was basically a self-taught artist and, and that went really, that went really well. I, I'm, I'm, um, I feel like I've missed out on a lot of collaborations. I haven't learned to work artistically well with others. Um, but, but I learned a lot on my own and that was really good. And, but there came a point when I was doing art professionally and I felt like I reached a point where I couldn't get better or couldn't get better fast enough to, to get to where I wanted to be without some kind of training. And I, and at that time I was really into, you know, uh, painting and classical art and stuff like this and kind of the more academic side of things. And one thing led to another and I was able to do, um, some courses at, uh, the Cecil studios in Florence we got to go overseas to Italy, and I spent a summer there, and then, uh, and then a subsequent summer um, studying uh, painting, which but but a real academic style of painting, like kind of like the old masters, basically a basically a, basically what John Singer Sargent does, really working from life, or or working from um, working from plaster casts, stuff like this. It's really academic. Really, to me, it was just loads of fun, and. Um, and I still love painting, but the biggest thing was when I got back, um, just in all the different art that I was working on, there was just a, a real palpable um, improvement. And uh, so I'd become a, kind of a believer in, in doing, you know, if you're doing anything related to the arts, to the visual arts anyway, that a lot of life drawing is going to be really good for you. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's important to me. And, and you know... Um, as much as I love comics, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm also been doing. I, I finished up a picture book recently that will be out next year, and that's a different. That's a different format, you know. That's writing and illustrating working together differently than in comics. So I'm a little bit all over the place. So what's the name of the picture book that's coming out? Oh, the picture book is called Julia's House, mm-hmm. and it's about um, it's about a girl who kind of opens up a makes her house into like a halfway house for creatures that nobody believes in. Hmm. So like, uh, not, not quite a homeless shelter because it's more, or not quite a, yeah, not quite an animal shelter, but more of a homeless shelter. Um, and so she puts a sign outside her door that says Julia's house for lost creatures. And then they all show up all the like trolls and, and a mermaid and a dragon. And, 
um, a bunch of goblins and, and all these things show up and they have a real hard time living together. It's much more than she expected. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. <laughs> now, did you, are you the author of that as well? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wrote and illustrated that and, uh, that's going to be out after Zeta three, unfortunately, but, but that was just a blast to put together because, uh, because, um, you know, I wrote this story and then I, did all the sketches for it and then I ended up doing it as watercolors mm-hmm. and those were just so fun to paint. I had a good time. Oh, you know, I was thinking about the, the, my daughter's favorite, uh, picture books were all, uh, were all watercolors. So yeah, so yeah. Looking forward to that. It's really beautiful. Um, so how, so how did you get then from, from doing the, the classically, the classical training, the, 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 the from life, picture drawing how did you move from that phase to actually coming out with this you know rather successful um uh graphic novel yeah uh so the other thing i was into at the time was um i had found the on the internet there was a a forum the flight forums um Mm -hmm. uh, i don't know if you remember the the flight anthologies they were uh collections of comics um from various artists and uh, they all kind of shared a similar, I don't even know, that, not even a theme, but more of an aesthetic uh, kind of similarity. And there was it's a really interesting group of, of young um, artists. Some of them were like storyboard artists for, for DreamWorks or, you know, everybody came from different backgrounds. And I found these guys online and, you know, started posting comics on, on the forums. And it was like having missed art school um, that you know, that collaborative thing of, of, you know, sharing work with, with sharing your ideas and stuff like this, this was kind of filling in that gap for me was posting comics and, and pictures online on this forum and having people, you know, say like, Oh, that's great. Or, Oh, that looks real Photoshoppy. Uh, try harder. Um, and so it was really great. It was a good, good experience for me to do this. And then, uh, and eventually like, they were like, Hey, why don't you contribute a comic for our next, for the, for volume two of flight? And I was like, really, this will be great. And, um, so I did some work for flight two and flight three, a short story for each of those. And then I did a, I actually did a Zeta story. Okay. So, so simultaneously, what's a lot of what I was posting there was, um, Zeta, the space girl web comics. And those were three page stories that I was working on. Um, Basically, like the, so, Kazu Kibuishi, right? Uh, he was the editor of the Flight Anthologies, and he was working on a, a web comic called Copper, mm-hmm. um, which you can still find at BoltCity.com. It's a great little web comic. He, you know, he wasn't doing them very often. He was, I think he was trying to do one a month, and they were like one-page comics. And he had made a comment of, um, that he was doing these so he could like tighten up his storytelling, so he could do, um, you know, kind of, kind of improve his comicking. And so I thought, I'll do the same thing with this character, Zeta the Space Girl, and I'll do these little three-page stories. And and I did. For a while, that was going really well. And um, and But I never explained what she was do- what this girl was doing traveling through space. They were really just like little vignettes. And um, so between that and the flight books, um, you know, I, I finally thought like, oh, I should tell the story of how this girl got out here. And, um, and a couple people, you know, saw the web comics and, and approached me about um, some smaller publishers approached me about, um, you know, doing a Zeta graphic novel and it kind of got the wheels turning. And then, um, 
And eventually I, 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 I uh, started emailing publishers and um, having done the flight books since they a lot of the, they were, I mean, I don't know if they were huge sellers, but they were critically loved um, or, or appreciated anyway. Um, but having a story in those uh, helped me kind of get a foot in the door. I was like, like, oh, you know, and I did a, I could email them and say, you know, I did, I did stories for the flight anthology. I was wondering if I could send along. Um, you know, this graphic novel idea, you know, like, oh, sure. And that's how I ended up at first and second. So. Our, our listeners may know, uh, uh, it's Kibuishi. How do you say his name? Uh, Kibuishi. Kibuishi, uh, either, well, they might know him through flight or through copper, which has had a, a physical release, or they right. might know him through, through amulet, which has been a very successful. Yeah, his big, um, his big books are the amulet books. Yeah. Definitely. Those are with Scholastic, and um, now he's doing the he's doing the new edition of Harry Potter. Uh, wow. the, co- the covers for that, cool. Which um, I haven't actually I haven't seen them in print or anything, but from what I've seen, from the little snippets I've seen, they look really cool. Well, that's delaying the next uh, volume of Amulet. I know some people are going to be very disappointed about oh, that. Yeah. Um, but you you mentioned that that Zeta made her first um, non virtual appearance, and it was in Flight Explorer Volume One. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was a really silly story, but it, I actually sometimes I still look back on it and like it. Um, some of my earlier stuff I'm a little embarrassed by, mm-hmm. but that Zeta story I think kind of still holds up. Well, that so Flight Explorer was uh, sort of a was flight, but it was aimed at all ages, as you would say. Yeah, maybe a more all ages because a couple of the flight stories, you know, were a little bit more adult. Um, yeah, I picked it up and decided that I wasn't going to pass that along. Quite yeah, yet. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, but but yeah, the flight explorer, and now they just ha- now they're doing volumes of something they're just calling explorer, mm-hmm. and they've dropped the flight. But it's really the same, you know, basic group of basic pool of artists. Right, there's one that's a boxer. Miss boxes, yeah, that's the first one. Yeah, uh, which which it's interesting. My daughter just is not that interested in. I maybe there's okay. something about the the call of flight uh, that. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, so. Um, so you then got into – so one of the things that you mentioned uh, during this discussion that I, I, I don't know very much about but I found very interesting is, you know, back when I was a kid, uh, way much longer ago than I want to admit, um, <laughs> you know, I primarily would encounter – you know, there, there was no internet um, mm-hmm. and, you know, there were basically fanzines of various sorts, some of which were no better than – bigger than – pamphlets uh and then there were there was the comic book store and those were the places where where you would go to get this kind of entertainment but i've I've only in the last few years have become aware of the the massive explosion of web comics uh okay and i'm curious what and i know that you said that you did some stuff that are web comics that that um you mentioned copper being developed in part through a web comic exercise um how and i know when i read some of the the the, the big ones, I mean, I guess in, in the fantasy genre, you know, uh, Girl Genius and, and Gunner Creek Court and things like that. What role has that played in, in the industry and in the development of the art form in the community? Um, I can only, I mean, it's not something I really keep up with other than my own, you know, things that I like to read and then my personal experiences. Um, and my personal experience has been that, you know, I finally had a place where I could find an audience. And that was humongous. Like, you know, growing up in Indiana, I could draw comics to entertain my friends. And that was really good. And I learned a lot about like, uh, uh, how to do that through that. But, um, 
but really being able to like, like there's a nice instant gratification to web comics because um, you could just you could you could put it out there and later that day you'll you know or almost instantly you can have comments and people and getting reactions and and it's it's a way of training. I mean, you have to live. The the downside is you have to live with your early work. It's sometimes very rough early work. You know, it'll exist on the internet forever, <clears throat> but it's really, really opened up the world to um, to more cartoonists. Um, I don't know how it's affected, how it affects like the industry, um, especially because I I, I I hover in a funny place in the industry because I'm not, um, you know, I'm 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 more into the into the the children's book and library side of things than I am the the Comic Con you know, side of things and pop culture side of things. Um, but it's really, it's a really interesting phenomenon. And I had so, I, I learned so much from doing web comics online, even though I didn't even do, you know, comparative to some that many web comics, I, I didn't do that much. Um, another thing that I, I get a lot out of and, and that I enjoy a lot and enjoy seeing others do is like, I, 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 I wouldn't even call it a comics journal, but I do like when I can, I do, um, like journal comics, web comics about my own experiences. And, um, and those are, that's just another fun way to, to connect to people. Um, uh, yeah, but I don't know how it, how it affects the print industry as much. It's, it's an, it's an interesting question. You have a great illustration at the back of, uh, of the two books, the, about the author, which shows you with your extensive family. Yeah. So you have you have four girls, is that right? I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. That must be uh, quite a handful. It must also help that you are in a vocation where you work at home. Yeah, it's a, it's a help and a hindrance to work at home with with four daughters uh, hanging around. Um, they they do check on me um, periodically through the day. It's it's nice to have. They're like my first line of. They're like my first editorial line of um, you know critique, and like I can they can easily come in here and see if if what I'm doing is funny or not funny or interesting or confusing or, or whatever. So that's, that's on the one hand, very helpful. On the other hand, um, I've found that, you know, a pair of good headphones and loud music is, is bad as like the best thing in my office, you know, cause there's a lot going on in my house now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very busy place. Um, so I had uh, two more questions I wanted to ask before I let you go, and you've been sure, very sure. generous here of time. Actually, I think I have three. It's, it's like the Spanish Inquisition, four, five, six. Um, Let's go for it. But um, so one was, you know, so the, 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 this is new books in science fiction and fantasy, and I'm fairly generous about what I call new. We're sort of, you know, the, the, this Legends of the States Girl, I guess, was new when we initially talked, and yeah. you know, you're going to have the next one coming out. So I think that works. Okay. But, but I'm curious about the decision to do uh, – this is science fiction or speculative fiction or fantasy, depending on how, how much we want to police the genres. Right. Obviously, this isn't hard science fiction. Right. Um, and your, the picture book that you described, which sounds wonderful, is you know, fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. So I'm curious about why those genres, because nothing you've said so far indicates, you know, that besides the C.S. Lewis quotation suggests, you know, uh, that oh, you mean like lifelong fandom of the genres or something? What what made you get into to 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 doing stuff in these genres? Oh gosh, I mean, uh, it's just what I've lived and breathed. (laughs) Uh, You know, since I, I mean, I was a really bookish kid, and um, I mean. 
it, it depends on if you want to go to like I both read books and when I could could got I mean comics came along a little later for me but I, I grew up with my parents reading to me um, you know you know the, the standards the Chronicles of Narnia the Roald Dahl books James and the Giant Peach and and uh, and all of these and we went through um, you know I, I would go through Lloyd Alexander's Chronicles of Prydain and um, a little bit of, of sci-fi too I remember when I somebody finally handed me Ender's Game and that was like a real watershed moment. Um, so I've always, I don't know, it's just, it's just been something I've drawn, been drawn to basically forever. Uh, that and, and superheroes, hmm. um, which I haven't really dabbled in as much. I mean, I don't really consider Zeta a superhero. Well, but there, Zeta is, a, I mean, part of the, one of the thing, one of the underlying currents in the plot is that, you know, she's this, you know, there is a superhero like Chuck. Yeah, no, that's true. Girl. That's, that's true. That's true. Yeah, she she falls into a situation where she takes on the. You know, she has a cape, she has an outfit, she takes on the role of a superhero. And yeah. part of what you're she's playing got with the trappings, she, definitely. Yeah, and part of what you're playing with in the second book is the fact that she is this this tension that she's yes fundamentally yes. normal girl, but she's viewed by some as a superhero, and she has to do super heroic things. Yes, and so maybe I, maybe I should uh, backtrack a little bit on that. I guess like I have this like like thing where I, I like I like my my I think like real superheroes are superheroes that exist on earth and um which is which is weird because that excludes people like like, like I would think like like the silver surfer mm-hmm. no not really a superhero to me like he's speeding around in space but I I realize that that's not really <laughs> um that doesn't really work quite well to just have your superheroes on earth. Um, but no, you're right. And, and it does, it plays a lot with that. I like the stories that, that examine, um, who, who's real. Is it, is Bruce Wayne the real guy or is Batman the real guy? Um, I like Clark Kent to be, you know, the real person. I like it being a real, an act actually kind of, uh, semi socially awkward guy who is free. Or like Peter Parker is a great example. Like, he he gains a lot of confidence by putting on this this mask and persona, and, and all of a sudden he's joking and and um, you know taunting people and stuff like this. When as Peter Parker, he might be a little bit um, when, when as himself, he's he's a little more awkward. Um, but yeah, so and then like uh, oh, and then with comics, so going back to to, to growing up reading genre uh, stuff, one of the the coolest things when I finally was. Um, growing up in Indiana when I was finally one of the most liberating things when I was finally old enough to ride be allowed to ride my dirt bike um, blocks and blocks up the up the road there was a used bookstore and my mom would just let me just jump like I must have been like because we moved when I was just turned 13 so this is probably when I was 11 or 12 she'd just let me jump on my dirt bike and ride blocks and blocks away to a used bookstore that um, sold just everything but I would just pour through the old comics and I got onto ElfQuest. I don't know if you know about ElfQuest by mm-hmm. Wendy and Richard Peeney. Um, and that I would go back every week and see if they had new or if anybody else like tried Cause it. Cause many, many issues long telling one long uh, questing story about these elves trying to find out where they came from. Um, and I would just go back and go back and try to fill in more bits of the story with, with these back issues. And, um, <clears throat> so that was, that was a big deal for me. Um, I was into like I was into Tolkien so much that um, when I was in grade school, I think I was in like fifth grade, sixth grade, and we had to do a book report, and I did The Hobbit, and um, I made this elaborate um, costume 
with a staff that I had carved to try to have Gandalf's face on it and stuff. And I had my big, like, plasticky glasses on. Um, but I had this, like, hooded cloak. And I, I got up and I, like, recited the songs from the book. Um, I think I actually was singing the song from the Rankin-Bass um, Hobbit cartoon. And then I got, I was singing this song and I got halfway through the song and I realized that, like, I'm the only kid who's gotten into this book report thing. I'm the only kid who dressed up. I'm the only kid singing. And I got halfway through the song, and, like, all the kids were looking at me. And I could still feel my face, like, that that rush of, like, blood to your face where you're, like, starting to, like, like blush and, and like, get really nervous. And then, because um, I think all the kids thought I was a big dork. But but it was that but that's I mean this is the thing it's like to me it was like like oh this is the coolest thing I could possibly do is dress up in in, the, in this outfit that I made and bring the staff to school and sing this song and then I like halfway through the song I realized wait a minute this is not cool at all um but uh but anyway yeah so I mean I just I was reading a lot I was really reading a lot growing up mm-hmm. so one last question then I, I'm gonna I'm not going to ask my, my 13, um, okay. uh, because that's such a great story to, to kind of do as our penultimate thing. Yes. Uh, so the legends of Zeta, the space girl, uh, begins with a, with a, the, the epigraph, um, is, uh, and I think I've gotten the right epa there, but maybe not, <laughs> uh, is from Hilaire Belloc. Yeah. I was, I was hoping you might tell us a little bit about the choice of, him and of that quotation um yeah well the the first book begins with a chesterton quote and i am kind of a chesterton nut um and that that kind of sums up the series for me but the the belloc quote i think um because i really am into uh the journey the the idea of a journey and um and the idea a lot of the zeta ends up being about the pull between your friends and home. Um, but Belloc, I think at the time was one of it and still is, I really like his writing, but he was kind of a, in a way, a travel writer or spent some of his time doing that. And, um, I don't know. There was, it's just from a book called the path to Rome, which he was a, a young guy and he decided he was going to walk to Rome, um, from France, I think is where he started out and take, no, and, and and use no wheeled object. He would accept rides on no wheel. He had all these these like ideas, these like high ideals of how he was going to do this journey. And then he broke it like almost every one of his resolutions on his way, just trying to get there. And um, um, I don't know. It's about it's about starting out this journey with these high ideals and like like how hard it ends up being. And uh, uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to explain why 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 that quote and not others. Um, but I like, I like starting books out with quotes. That's a big deal for me. Well, th- again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, the books are just really terrific. Um, and I hope that uh, both people who, who enjoy the media or medium already and those who maybe have been interested in gaining the medium will check them out. Uh, you mentioned uh, the third book is coming out uh, maybe as early as January and February of 2014. You have yeah. a picture book that's coming out. Um, are there any plans for what's next? Um, yeah, there are plans for what's next. It looks like, uh, um, I have some, I've been doing a series of robot comics on my, on my blog. Um, and they're just, it's me getting back into the comic strip format, which I, which I, uh, which is fun. It's kind of, to me, the comic strips, you know, like news, the newspaper strip format 
is more like the poetry of comics um, because you're, you're working with a very small space, you know, um, hmm. and, and telling us a, a, a poignant idea in a small space, right? And um, so I kind of got back into that by doing these robot comics. I didn't expect to do – well, I, I just did the first one um, just as an idea to, to dash off an idea and put on my blog. And now there's there's between 25 and 30 of them that I've been chipping away at. And this little robot has taken on like a, a greater and greater personality as he's gone. I think um, it looks like the next book I'll be working on will be a uh, – um, I mean it's not official yet, but it looks like the next book I'm going to be working on will be a story about this little robot. And uh, you can see who he is by going to the blog, I think, checking out the little robot comics. We'll make sure we'll put a link into the um, into the uh, the wet, the page that has the the podcast embedded on it. So yeah, and I'll send you a link out. to all these little comics, and uh, that's going to be another like all ages. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it might be geared a little bit more towards early readers. I've got an idea for how comics, um, and we that's a whole other topic we could get into. But um, comics as as reading tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter learned to read basically through picking up Calvin and Hobbes. And, um, you know, at one point early on, she was like, I hate reading. I don't, I don't want to read. Um, and you know, she was kind of having a hard time with it, but we let her, um, we let her take the, the Calvin and Hobbes books and just sit in bed and read, look, look at the Calvin and Hobbes books. And she would start out by telling us what Calvin did. And then eventually she started telling us what Calvin said and then we realized, oh, you know, she just taught herself to read. That's that's how that works. So, um, so anyway, um, it got me thinking about comics as uh, as uh, tools for early readers and um, how to craft a comic that can can help along the early readers. Well, you know, it's, I think I think that's right. And I'm thinking back to some of my own experiences with my daughter or with you know kids uh, her age, her her friends and peers. But I also think it's really important to, to remind people that, you know, it used to be that people would say, oh, you start out on comics and then, you know, you graduate from them. But I think there's a growing realization that there is no graduation uh, right. or there shouldn't be, that right. that it is an art form uh, and that it is, uh, as we would say, it's non-indexical, that actually learning to read comics and in, in the kind of uh, – in the various idioms that you describe them is in fact a, a form of literacy. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's terrific. But I, I and, and and but I also know that the flip side of that is it is a, it is a gateway. And um, yes, I think so too. So that's terrific. I, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. And uh, thanks again for your time. And uh, maybe uh, when something uh, comes out in the future, uh, you'll be willing to do this again. I certainly will. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. This episode of New Books in Science Fiction and Fantasy was recorded on June 20th, 2013. Thanks for tuning in.